the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The following program was pre-recorded, and the views expressed do not necessarily represent those of this station or its management. Get ready to take notes because school is now in session. Tackling the biggest issues in education, this is Education America. Save the classroom, save the country. Here are your hosts, Headmaster Rebecca Hagstrom and co-host Abigail Johnson. Welcome to Education America, where we are working to save the classroom so that we can save the country. Join the conversation. K-12 education is the playing field where the battle is on for the future of our country. And as the 16th president, Abraham Lincoln, Lincoln succinctly, I can't talk today, Abigail, succinctly stated, the philosophy of the schoolroom in one generation will be the philosophy of government in the next. Tonight, we will be continuing our discussion on the four greatest threats that we are seeing play out in education today. In past episodes, we've covered topics such as CRT, the changing social studies standards, and now we are addressing one of the more uncomfortable elephants in the room, Mm -hmm. comprehensive sex education, and all that's been going on within um, the standards and Minnesota schools with that. So we would Mm -hmm. encourage if there are any moms listening right now or dads, uh, maybe they're listening in the car and they've got little ones in the car with them. This might be the episode that instead you wait and and listen to this one with maybe some earbuds in Mm -hmm. later on just because of the sensitive nature of this topic. Which is shocking given the fact that they start this as young as preschool and kindergarten. Yep. Um, And yet we're concerned about children hearing this. So that being said, um, you know, we talk a lot about what we had as kids for our sex education classes, which I don't think I had until I was in ninth grade or something like that. And I would just say, you know, you've heard that old saying, this isn't your grandmother's whatever, fill in the blank. (laughs) This is not your grandmother's sex ed class. (laughs) No longer. And this isn't even you as a parent, the sex ed class that you Mm -hmm. had as a parent. Um, Comprehensive sex ed is exactly what the term implies. It is comprehensive. And it begins at the youngest ages. And it gets completed in 12th grade. And by the time these students have finished receiving this comprehensive sex ed, they have been introduced to anything and everything that falls under the realm of sex in this day and age and this culture. There is no um, leaving anything out. Um, And, you know, when you consider the fact that most of us think that this is probably the role of parents, you know, sure, fine, teach my kids about the birds and the bees, you know, if, if they're, you know, just going to hear about the basics and basically from more of a health perspective, um, but save the rest of it for me. Um, no longer is that 
philosophy really happening in our classrooms today. No, absolutely not, which is amazing. Um, Just as a parent, and I'm sure all of you are thinking about your various kids that you may have or kids that you know, there are some little ones that, man, they are inquisitive. Mm -hmm. They will ask a million questions and you know, and that's great. That is a time for parents to, you know, in a safe environment, answer those questions in the way that they feel appropriate for their kid. But then there are other kiddos that you just know, you know, I think we should just wait. You're mm-hmm. not you're not ready. Even if we're using the most anatomically correct language, mm-hmm. this is just not something you're quite ready to venture into quite yet. And And who is best equipped to know what a child should learn and when about this topic. It is their parents. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And we do value parents, you know, um, not just you and I, Abigail, but the school that I run, Liberty Classical Academy, we always talk about the fact that the parents are the experts on their children. Mm -hmm. And education is primarily a parental responsibility, and we are coming alongside them as partners in the education of their children And uh, therefore, you can imagine that you are not going to find comprehensive sex ed at Liberty Classical Academy. Um, That being said, what we're seeing as young as kindergarten and, like I said, even in some cases preschool, and if you go to some of the YouTubes and, dare I say, even TikTok, which I don't ever actually go on to TikTok, but I've had a few people share some of the videos with me Mm -hmm. of preschool teachers talking about how they're teaching transgenderism to their little preschool kids. Um, it's out there, but that being said, I'm only, we're only going to address it from kindergarten on because that's the data that we have found. Um, but there is a, um, curriculum that is put out by a company called advocates for youth, and they put together a comprehensive sex ed curriculum. And Abigail, I just want to share some of the statements right out of the standards for kindergarten age kids. So let's just remember, how old are kids in kindergarten? They are five, five years old. Five, five maybe sweet six little year years. Old. Yes. Often They've been potty trained still, for two years probably yeah. at that point. <laughs> right. They still believe in the tooth fairy. Yes. And Santa Claus yep. and all of the above. So, so um, one, uh, one of the statements in these standards, it says a note on the language. Lessons in the higher grades use more precise language and begin to introduce a broader concept of gender. Because it says, you'll notice that this lesson refers to girls and boys and male and female when identifying body parts. Lessons in the higher grades use more precise language and begin to introduce a broader concept of gender. That being said, this lesson does, even kindergarten, um, acknowledge that there are some parts that mostly boys have And mostly girls have. And then they make a statement. Being a boy or a girl, I'm going to remember this is for five-year-olds, doesn't have to mean you have all of those parts. But for most people, this is how their bodies are. And then they actually use the specific language for these little five-year-olds of the male and female body parts. And then it says, Some people's bodies can be different. Your body is exactly what it was right for you. So they are already introducing the concept of the fact that gender is something that can be chosen and Mm -hmm. is not given to you at birth. Now, when you look into children 
that are struggling with gender dysphoria. That's the term for kids who are struggling with their identity. And um, what you find is that, you know, they are obviously not sure if they're a girl or a boy. But the percentage of children who are really struggling with this concept, which is really a social construct, it's not an actual biological question, um, because they are born biologically either a girl or a boy. Um, it's a very small number of kids that struggle with this. But when you start introducing a curriculum like this to all kindergarten children where they're being told, well, being a boy or a girl doesn't have to mean that you have these parts, but for most people, this is how their bodies are. Now that five-year-old is thinking, oh, well, I thought I thought I was a boy. Maybe I'm not. Mm-hmm. And And I thought I was a girl, but maybe I'm not. They're laying a framework that then every single year, a curriculum like this will we'll continue to build and emphasize this uncertainty for mm-hmm. kids. And so then we go from it being a small percentage of children that are struggling with gender dysphoria to a much larger percentage of children. Which is exactly what studies have shown. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I won't quote statistics here simply because, to be frank, I haven't looked it up in the past two weeks. So I want to, when we quote statistics here, we want it to be be exactly precise. Uh, However, Abigail Schreier wrote an excellent book on this topic Mm -hmm. of um, the, the increasing trend of, of children uh, transitioning. Mm -hmm. And she does talk about in that book. And again, I won't quote exact percentages because it's been a while since I've reviewed it, but basically, you know, five years ago and, and before the number of, adults and children Mm -hmm. in the entire United States, because this is relatively tracked. Usually if someone has something called gender dysmorphia, this is a real, very painful, very difficult psychological Mm -hmm. issue. Mm -hmm. Something that, you know, usually you are, you are going to a psychologist Mm -hmm. to try to help you navigate what is going on. Mm -hmm. I mean, it should absolutely be treated with, you know, with kindness, mm-hmm. um, just as we would anyone that is mm-hmm. is struggling with mental health issues. Right. Um, but what Abigail Schreier in her book talks about is that, you know, prior to five years ago, this was something like 0.001 percent mm-hmm. of the number of we have about 330 million people in the in the United States. 0.001 percent of that population mm-hmm. identified as struggling with um, gender dysmorphia. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, in the past five years, this um, this percentage has absolutely exploded. Yeah. And, you know, we have to think, well, why is that? Mm-hmm. Why is that? And this is really good information. Like this, and it's the fact that it's just out there in our culture being pressed down on people um, over and over and over. And by the way, it is a normal pi- part of child development, being a speech pathologist and having a lot of child development in my background. It is normal for children around those ages of, you know, three to seven, to really be questioning what does it mean to be a girl? Mm-hmm. What does it mean to be a boy? And if the adults in their lives aren't um, um, helping them understand, well, you are a girl, here's why you are a girl, and what does that mean for you? Or here's you are a boy, and here's why you're a boy, um, then there is going to be more confusion. And I think that's part of the problem is parents – they aren't told that that's a normal part of development. And now that this is such a big issue in the culture, parents immediately think, oh, my gosh, my daughter doesn't want to wear a dress. You know, she doesn't want to wear dresses. 
oh my goodness, maybe she's supposed to be a boy. Or, you know, my daughter wants to wear hats and play sports. Maybe she's wanting to be a boy or the other way around. Maybe Which my, how stereotypical yeah. is that? And that's I mean, let's the just thing. stop right. and take a minute. As we're trying to get away from that. As we're looking at um, a whole bunch of different, you know, aspects here. But I mean, I can tell you my mom, let's, let's definitely not call her, but, you know, she will <laughs> tell you. Oh, Abigail went through a stage where she absolutely refused to wear anything pink, anything purple, and absolutely no dresses whatsoever. All she wanted to do was climb trees, yeah. see how high she could climb. Sometimes yeah. I did get stuck up there. Don't judge me. <laughs> um, I may or may not have had to have an adult come rescue me. But, you know, everyone goes through these phases of figuring out what does it mean? Right. What, who, what is my identity? Yes. And that is a what we want parents to know is that that's a good thing that yes. your child is asking. What does it mean to be a girl? What does it mean that I'm short or I'm tall or I'm wider or mm-hmm. I'm more narrow? Mm-hmm. You know, and always saying, you know, God made you. Exactly. Exactly how yes. you were supposed to be made. There yes. are no mistakes and you are precious and yes. dearly loved. Yes. But it's okay to question. Yeah. But then well, always redirect normal them. to question. Mm-hmm. And, and But I think that's where the confusion lies now. I think parents are afraid to redirect them because they think they're causing psychological harm now because of this big press, uh, this big um, push for gender um, transitioning and gender identity issues and and being so accepting of it that we're now, the pendulum has swung in the other direction where people are afraid Mm -hmm. to tell kids what it means to be a girl or a boy. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it's interesting that you bring up these gender roles because one of the books that is recommended um, in these curriculums that's being used by some districts is called Jack, Not Jackie. And this is also meant for kindergarten children. And it's interesting because if you read the description of that book, it's exactly what you just said. It's a story about a little girl who can't wait for her little uh, sister to be with her. But the sister, if, I, if I'm correct about this, um, when Jackie grows up, she doesn't really want to play the games that her sister wants to play. She wants to wear a baseball hat and she she doesn't want to wear dresses or long hair. And I'm thinking, are you kidding me? This is a story that we're going to tell kindergartners that if I want to wear a baseball hat and not wear dresses, that that means I'm a boy. Yes. Can you imagine the confusion this is going to cause children to read this book to them? And how much of what I would call the feminist movement was all about? Right. You know, I mean, didn't Getting we just rid of gender roles. Didn't we just have it's, about 30 some years yes. of I can be, you know, feminine can mean wearing overalls and mucking out stalls yeah. on a farm yes. and being really strong. There yeah. are so many ways that either masculinity or femininity will express themselves. And what a wonderful thing that is that we are not cookie cutters that fit in a box, but it does not change your biological DNA. Right, right. And this is exactly what, what you just said. You just hit the nail on the head that we are now going backwards. We're turning back the clock on all of the progress that women have made in this country in terms of trying to shed some of those stereotypical gender roles. And not that I don't believe that there are differences between men and women, because I do believe there are differences between men and women. Um, But that to say, I do think it's healthy that our culture has come a long way to say, yes, a woman can do whatever she wants Mm -hmm. to do. You know, we have women firefighters. We have women in the military. We have women doctors. We have women lawyers. We have women 
you know, everything. And, yes. and that used to be not the case. Mm-hmm. And, and, and so we've made so much progress and we're going to talk actually after the break or not after the break, but after I talk a little bit about who we are so that our listeners know, um, about Title IX because, mm-hmm. you know, this is a big issue for Title IX. Um, but I want to share one more example before we switch gears a little bit on this. And, you know, we talked about these kindergarten examples. And when you mentioned that example, just so our listeners know, yeah. um, you know, that is a book that is being read to kindergartners yep. here in Minnesota. Yes. Um, so they can actually find, a very, if they look up that book, um, they can do their own research. There are uh, several news articles written about how um, administrative staff in the state of Minnesota are reading that book yep. to kindergartners. And they are using the curriculum put out by Advocates for Youth. Mm-hmm. And that is what I read from earlier for the kindergarten um, standards. And then I'm going to actually read some example, some examples from the comprehensive sex ed from the same organization for high school students. And this, again, is being implemented in school districts across Minnesota. Um, what they have to do is they have to role play sex scenarios. And these various scenarios are gay sex scenarios, transgender sex scenarios, and the students have to participate in this. So let me just read one, just to give our parents a a sense of this. Sydney is a trans girl who has a big crush on Zoe. Both are free thinkers who don't like labels. Sydney and Zoe have been hanging out together for a few weeks and enjoy a lot of the same things. It's clear that they're attracted to each other, but they've never kissed or touched. Plan a role play in which Sydney uh, talks with Zoe about having sex and they make a decision. This is what we're asking our high school kids to do. Not math, not science. I just cannot fathom why math and science scores are going down in the state of Minnesota. Why could they be? I don't understand. And here's another example. Um, Sydney says... You were assigned male at birth, but have never identified as a boy or a man. You are a girl, but not a girly girl. You really like the fact that Zoe is kind of an androgynous, but you aren't sure how to get things started. You decide that the two of you should talk about your feelings. Now, Zoe, biologically, you were assigned a female at birth, but you hate all the boxes that society puts people in and identify as gender queer. You work hard to have a gender non-conforming appearance and style. You enjoy gender bending, and you feel like with Sydney, you have finally met someone who really gets you. So we're asking high school kids to act out these two roles and figure out, by the way, they have to make a decision if they're going to have sex. These are high school kids. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So listeners, you are listening to Education America with Abigail Johnson and Rebecca Hagstrom, and we are discussing comprehensive sex ed in Minnesota schools and what that really looks like. And I want to turn our attention um, from these examples to talk what you talk a little bit about what you brought up earlier. And that is how we're really going backwards. We're undoing Mm -hmm. what 50 years worth of progress that women have made in the realm of trying to reduce some of these gender roles to um, so that women can truly do whatever they want to do. Mm-hmm. And part of what propelled women in this regard is the Title IX. Okay, mm-hmm. so that was intended mainly for sports, but it was intended for any type of um, school activity. And I believe it was passed in the 60s, wasn't it? Or I was it the so. 70s? 
I'm not even sure. Um, but at Title IX prohibited sex discrimination, so gender discrimination. Mm-hmm. Now, in Obama's administration also interpreted Title IX the way the Biden administration is interpreting it. But now, um, but then Trump came in and undid that for the four years that he was president. Now Biden's administration is pressing it again. So they're wanting to redefine what the term sex means in Title IX so that it includes gender, so that boys can participate in girls' sports Mm -hmm. or enter girls' locker rooms Mm -hmm. or enter girls' bathrooms or, in a college campus situation, even be assigned in the same dorm room. room. Exactly. I mean, there are ramifications to this, folks. Mm -hmm. It's easy to say, oh, but we want to be loving and we want to care for these people. And we do. We absolutely do. But that doesn't mean that you set aside thousands of years of tradition around a male and female and what that represents and then and then remove the rights of the others around these people. Mm-hmm. It's not fair to the rest of them mm-hmm. for for them to be forcing their 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 gender identity on the rest of the world. When I think the rest of us really saw that coming into play with the NCAA uh, swimming championships yes. this past year. Was with, it Mia? With Leah Thomas. Oh, I thought it was Mia Thomas. It's Leah Thomas. Leah okay. Thomas. Okay. And who who beat every single one of those girls. And mm-hmm. he should. He's huge. Have um, you ever seen him standing next to oh, yes. the other? I yeah. mean, he's, mm-hmm. he's you know, at least six, you know, he's got many inches in height and width and broadness on the um, women that he was swimming against. And all of them had been working very hard um, to hone their abilities um, and training and moving far in competitions only to be completely outswam Mm -hmm. uh, by someone who is bigger and stronger, bigger and stronger. And to, to pretend that this is somehow that sex, biological sex does not exist is, is simply a fallacy. It's it's not true. And scientists are agreed on that. This isn't a scientific question. This is a philosophical question. Mm -hmm. And the fact that science (laughs) In, you know, in this world that everybody says follow the science, but yet they're not following the science when it comes to this issue. So they're willing to follow the science where they think it's convenient, mm-hmm. but not where it's inconvenient. And this is one of those inconvenient facts that there is biological difference between boys and girls. And even if they go through the transition um, hormone treatments and what have you, there are still elements of that male body that are going to be bigger, stronger, larger muscle mass and what have you. And, you know, you think about Title IX and it was established to provide, to kind of provide an even playing field so that girls could also participate in sports Mm -hmm. so that all the money wouldn't just go to male sports Mm -hmm. so that girls could also win scholarships to college. And now in many cases, I'm seeing articles galore. This is the example you gave about Leah Thomas is just one of many. There are girls losing scholarship opportunities because there are transgender boys who are 
participating as girls and winning and beating out these kids. I've seen it in running. I've seen it in all in many different sports. Mm -hmm. And so now these kids are not getting opportunities that they would have otherwise had. And that's just actually one problem, right? That doesn't even address the whole locker room problem or the bathroom problem or the dorm room problem um, that, and then, and then you're, you're shamed if you try to speak out Mm -hmm. and not wanting that you're shamed that you're an unloving bigot because you don't want, you don't want your daughter undressing in front of, a biological male exactly in a dressing room. Yeah. I mean, this is just so, you know, Rebecca, what are various states doing to address some of this? Right. I was just going to talk about that. The Florida legislature passed a law and uh, Governor DeSantis signed it that is actually at least limiting these gender discussions until after third grade. So K through three it is actually against the law now in the state of Florida to be able to teach anything on the issue of transgenderism. And then starting in fourth grade, they require that the students be only given things that are age appropriate. Mm-hmm. So because one of the things that I talked about with you, we didn't even talk about the survey that's being done in Minnesota There's a survey that is done in Minnesota asking kids questions about sex and drugs and their parents. And it's starting, I think it starts in fifth grade is the youngest grade. But they're asked questions about sex that really introduces them to sexual concepts that most of them probably don't know. Mm -hmm. Um, Every different type of transgenderism or queer or, you know, they, they have all these different categories that they ask if if a student would consider themselves and if they've had sex. And um, so we're, again, planting seeds in the name of just wanting to collect information. And for what? Why do we want this information? Um, But all that to say, Florida is trying to prevent some of that from happening in their schools. And, of course, they're coming under fire from everywhere. Even Disney came out against Governor DeSantis and the legislature Mm -hmm. and, and then Right here in our own state of Minnesota, our own AG, Ellison, mm-hmm. is part of an amicus brief from, I think, six, is it 16 states, Abigail? Probably that something like that. Is, that. That basically put together a brief in a lawsuit that is being put up against against the Florida legislature yep. and um, trying to get rid of this law. And this is what parent, parents parents yes. want this. They want this. They want their children protected. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, something that we've discussed in, in depth is, you know, when someone tells you who they are, believe them. Yes. So Minnesotans, you know, where there's you can barely trip over a rock um, and not find an article about how this type of comprehensive sex education is being interwoven from kindergarten on up into schools in our state. And really something that Rebecca and I, it's on our hearts to just encourage you to do is just to realize this isn't um, public school the way it was when maybe you were growing up. It has fundamentally changed. Mm -hmm. Now, what you want to do about that, that is up to you. Um, Mm -hmm. We can't certainly can't make any sort of decisions about that. But to really take a sober look about are these is this what you want your child exposed to? Is this, mm-hmm. you know, do you want them having these types of in-depth sexual conversations outside of your home and outside of your supervision? You know, and again, that's up to you, but it is not the same public school that it was, 
you know, 25 years ago mm-hmm. when you were there as a student. Yep. So or even, it's even gone much, years. it's gone much more in depth than putting a condom on a banana, everyone. So, <laughs> or making a child carry around, uh, what was it? A baby. To pretend like Our it was potato. a potato. Yeah. <laughs> right, exactly. Well, I hope that you have enjoyed uh, this conversation that Abigail and I have had with you today on Comprehensive Sex Ed in Minnesota. And we do hope that you'll listen to this podcast uh, at savetheclassroom.com and where you can hear all of our previous podcasts. And we also hope that you will find us on Facebook and Twitter and follow us and like us and join us again next Saturday night. Have a great night. AM 1280 The Patriot. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.